You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast in the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, November the 22nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we dive briefly into the film from Sunday's loss against Tampa Bay. We discuss the direction of the offensive line. We give you a brief Ryan Tannehill update and talk about the NFL draft. Every Dolphins fan's favorite Thanksgiving tradition, which has been the case for the past two decades or so, since 2008, 2006. We'll get to all that, but first I want to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, and follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, and follow the show at LockedOnFins. Before we get into the film, let's give you guys a quick Ryan Tannehill update. I had an update from a person connected to the Dolphins somewhat closely that said that Right now, the Dolphins have never been higher than they are right now on Ryan Tannehill. And I think this season has a lot to do with that, obviously. And I've been talking about it a lot, but they are committed to Ryan Tannehill all in 100%. He'll be the quarterback in 2018. So if you're a fan of the draft class, you can go ahead and scratch those quarterbacks off your list for the first part of the draft. I would assume that if they're going to look at a quarterback, it won't be until the third round or later. And there are some good prospects in that area too. We'll talk about that at a later draft or later episode. We will have some draft talk this episode. Not going to be about quarterbacks. We will get to that. But first, let's go ahead and start with the film and talk about the defensive side of the football. And I want to start with TJ McDonald, who had a big impact on this game. He was playing around the line of scrimmage. He was consistently in good position down the field. So that was very nice to see him playing well. His second game back after the suspension. Cordray Tankersley continues to impress me. I thought that he did a good job shadowing Mike Evans on a few plays. I tweeted out a, a gif of him getting good outside technique and using uh, Evans' shoulder on the turn back inside to flip his hips around and get in position to break, make a pass breakup. So good job by Tankersley there. Other cornerback, Xavier Howard, ugh, it's getting rough on him. He, he's gotten, he got beat for another, should have been touchdown against Mike Evans in this game, but Evans dropped the football. But he's just so grabby and he's, he's over overly aggressive and he's not doing a whole lot in coverage. So Got to see more from him going down the stretch the rest of the way. Devon Godshaw, another nice game for him. He has really made a nice case as a rookie this season for significant snaps moving forward alongside Dominican Sue. And speaking of Sue, the impact guys on this team that are supposed to you know impact games every single week, they haven't really done a whole lot lately. And that's where you start to get a little bit concerned. And Dominican Sue hasn't been the same after his injury, although he's still playing well. He just hasn't quite been the same. Rashad Jones hasn't had his best season, and Cam Wake has gone completely silent for the last month. At what point are we not getting enough from these big stars to justify their contracts or their big stats on this team as guys that are going to play you know entire games or they're close to it or whatever and then Andre Branch and Kiko Alonso I think it's safe to say at this point those contracts were bad ideas they're both terrible in this game Kiko Alonso he looks like he's hurt or something I don't know what his deal is because he can't change directions at all Andre Branch can't play the run at all that was a problem late down the stretch last year as well so big concerns with those two guys and you go over to the offensive side of the ball. The quarterback was terrible. You know that. Jay Cutler was terrible. But Matt Moore comes into the game, and he had some great timing and anticipation throws. A touchdown to Kenny Stills, obviously. But he was really, really good in this game. Matt Moore was. And then Jarvis Landry, he did everything in this game that we were told he cannot do, that I tell you he cannot do. He was explosive, making big catches down the field, got one call back on a bogus penalty. But if we can see him do that consistently, that would be a huge boon for this team moving forward. He will get his contract, and he'll be a number one receiver that makes everyone happy. Kenny Stills, his last eight touchdown passes have come from Matt Moore and there's just a timing to Kenny Stills routes that the quarterback has to be in sync with Stills for it to work and Stills is a really damn good player I think 13 of his last 
or 13 of his 17 touchdowns the last two years of the Dolphins have come from 24 plus yards and you can see the way he kind of works in behind coverage he's a very smart savvy route runner I think that's why you see you hear Adam Gaze talk about how much he likes him all the time so good day for Stills and Landry and the offensive line the last part of the film study here it was kind of the same issues no push in the running game a bunch a bunch of penalties and I want to talk about this in the next segment here but first I want to go ahead and remind you guys go ahead and subscribe to the podcast again on Apple Podcasts follow me on Twitter leave us that review and of course the Twitter handles are at Wingfield NFL and at Locked on Fins. And as we pick it back up here about the offensive line issues, the penalties were the big part of this game. There were five penalties on offensive linemen in this game, three from Laramie Tunzel, two pre-snap penalties from him there. So that's got to get cleaned up. That is not acceptable by any stretch of the imagination. And the one that I want to talk about here is Jesse Davis because he played some right tackle in this game, started there, kicks inside to right guard. Jake Brendel eventually comes in at left guard for the injured Ted Larson. So a bunch of shuffling on the offensive line in this game, but Jesse Davis has now played in three positions this year. He has shown well at left guard and right tackle. I didn't really get a good chance to look at him at right guard very much. I wasn't paying that close attention watching the late part of the game, but he played well at right tackle again. I think you might have something here with this guy. He's, you know, he's a kind of a cast off from the Seattle Seahawks last year. Comes over to the Dolphins. You don't expect him to make the roster. He does make the roster. You don't expect him to start. He gets himself a starting position. Uh, about couple, Actually, in the first first couple of games of the season, he was platooning with Anthony Steen, and then he wins the left guard job. Now he gets moved over to the right tackle. He's played well. He, he's really exceeded expectations there, and I think you really have to begin to wonder what's going to happen with him as well as Jawan James because Jawan James just got his fifth-year option picked up. I guess there's a, a clause in that deal where you can rescind that offer based on injury, but I'm not really that well-educated on that, so I'll have to get more information for you guys on that. But I don't think you want to do that because you he He's one of your good offensive linemen. He was one of the top graded offensive linemen or right tackles, I should say, on profootballfocus.com. And that matches what I saw on film too. So I always say, you know, make sure you can kind of back up their their claims there with them in film study. So he's played very well this year. He, the injuries are a concern with him, but on a team that's hurting for offensive linemen, I have a hard time letting one go. But Jesse Davis is the best position, might be right tackle. So what do you do there? I think I'm going to go ahead and let the season play out for the next six games. If Jesse Davis plays like an all-pro, then we really have a conversation on our hands we have to have. If not, you just kick him back into left guard and hope that works out there. Like I said in the previous show, have him compete with Isaac Asiata, maybe Ted Larson as well at left guard next year. And then all of a sudden, you only have to replace the center, Mike Pouncey, who has just been awful. Let's just put it that way. He's been awful this year. Jamon Bushrod must be replaced next year. That was the case going into the season. Didn't happen. But those two guys got to get replaced. And you might have options in the draft, which will be our next segment here. Before our last segment, I want to urge you guys to get over to LockedOnDolphins.com. There is a piece live right now on the website I think you guys will find very intriguing talking about the draft. And we're going to go ahead and talk about that here in our next segment on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Okay, guys, again, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins, and LockedOnDolphins.com. And I want to go ahead and start talking about draft because what else would it be if not for the Dolphins talking about the draft before the calendar even turns to December? This has been something of a repeating nightmare for Dolphins fans over the last few years. And, And yeah, they have had those seasons where they've won seven or eight, maybe even nine games where they were in contention in December, but it was kind of fool's gold. Not really that believable to begin with. But this year, it looks like they're going to head in December with the draft forefront in their mind because the playoffs are not going to happen. You look at the schedule ahead, and this is kind of part of the piece as well, talking about Dolphins' potential draft positioning. And I guess you could make an argument for playoff positioning, but with two games against the Patriots, that's not going to happen. So two games against the Patriots, those are both losses. If you tell me otherwise, I don't want to hear your reasoning because it's not going to happen. They're going to lose to the Patriots two times, very badly, very ugly games, and just get railroaded by 
the daddy of the AFC East. So the Patriots win those two games. The home game against Denver is the most winnable game on the schedule remaining because they're starting Paxton Lynch at quarterback. Mr. Can't even get himself active for game day until they basically ran out of options with Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler both playing the type of quarterback play that they are bad quarterbacks. So they bring their third bad quarterback in off the bench. So that's a game Miami could win, but I don't know how we'll do against that Denver defense in the no-fly zone. The game at Kansas City is a loss. I, I know they're not playing well right now, but the Dolphins are not going into Arrowhead and beating that team and, and beating Andy Reid and those guys up in Kansas or down in Kansas City, I should say. Up in Kansas City, it's down for me from up here in the in the Northwest. For the for you guys down in Miami, it's up. So in the heartland of America, Kansas City, they're going to lose that game. That leaves the two Buffalo games. If Tyrod Taylor plays, those are losses because he destroys the Dolphins, and this team might be even worse than last year's team at defending running quarterbacks. So those are losses if Tyrod Taylor plays. If Nate Peterman comes back in and gives away all of his interceptions he likes to give away, those are games that could win. I think at Buffalo, regardless, is probably a loss. The home game to end the season could be a win or loss, but that could be a prime position for the Dolphins to improve their draft position. It's something that I really hope they can do this year because something the Dolphins are lacking is blue-chip players. What are blue-chip players? You saw the movie in the 90s with Shaquille O'Neal where he's a blue-chip college recruit or high school prospect, I should say, going into college. That's a blue-chip player, a five-star player. NFL teams use the color system. Blue-chip is the top one for a player that is an elite-level player, a top player at his position, a guy that you can count on to make several plays every single game and help you win football games. And the Dolphins just kind of lack that right now on both sides of the ball. There's not a lot of blue... There's a lot of, like you know, second level players that are good players, just not that top level blue chip players. So there are going to be some blue chip players at the top of this draft class and at positions of big time need for the Dolphins. And we're going to go ahead and get right into that right now. And the first guy on the list is the guy that the piece on LockedOnDolphins.com right now is about. That is none other than Saquon Barkley and his prowess as a running back. He can do pretty much everything. He has great cutback vision, and he's scheme diverse. He can do anything from the, whether it's the wildcat, whether it's flex out wide and play the perimeter receiver position. He can play the slot route, the slot position and run routes from there. He can pass protect. He can run between the tackles. He really does it all. His change of direction is insane. He's a big play home run threat. He can return kickoffs for touchdowns. He is a phenomenal looking player. He actually holds the record for squats, deadlifts, power cleans, and jerks at Penn State. And this is a running back. He's not an offensive lineman that you know does pushes guys around for a living. He is a running back with all these skill sets and all these records and all the fame and glory, potential Heisman winner. He is a guy that can change the dynamic of the Dolphins offense for a number of reasons. Check that out on LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll just give you a little brief taste of it here before you go read that. And I put some gifs up there of him and some of the ways he can impact the game. Because Ryan Tannehill's prowess comes from the play-action game. Ryan Tannehill, one of the top five quarterbacks in 2016 in terms of passing from the play-action game. And if you bring in Barkley, that gives you a lot of work in the misdirection game, keeping linebackers on their heels and keeping them honest and getting them in false steps. And that can really do a lot for the deception of your offense and the execution of your offense. I think that Tannehill and Barkley would be a home run change in the backfield for this team. The next guy I want to look at is defensive end Bradley Chubb, defensive end out of North Carolina State. He is racking up numbers like you wouldn't believe this year. He just surpassed Mario Williams as the all-time sack leader at North Carolina State. So Big time uh, pedigree there for Chubb. He has all the tools and the tangibles you'd like to see. Has a great power on the edge. You can bend that edge. You can get to the quarterback. You can get the ball out. Plays the same position as Cam Wake, too. So that'd be a good spot to have him come in and kind of learn the ropes from Wake, maybe in his last year or two here with Miami, and then come in. And him and Charles Harris can be your bookend guys. Hopefully, you end up with a Melvin Ingram, Joey Bose type situation with those two guys if he is the draft pick. Third guy I want to talk about, Minka Fitzpatrick. He is a premier outside corner. He can do a lot of things from a safety position. He can play the slot. Alabama has him playing safety in the slot right now, but he can be a premier outside corner as well, kind of like Jalen Ramsey was down at the Florida State. 
He is a fantastic athlete. He is has the size the Dolphins require for the position. Just a great cover corner guy that can stick in someone's hip pocket and run with him side by side. And if the Dolphins can't get more out of Xavier Howard, that might be the move they have to go ahead and make because premier corners are a valuable, valuable commodity in this league just as the way edge rushers are and the way an offensive explosive player like Saquon Barkley is. So those are the three guys I'm looking at right now. And I think that those are guys that if the Dolphins are to go ahead and just win, maybe one of these last six games, they'll be in a position to take one of those guys. And that'd be kind of a cool thing to have the Dolphins getting a top-level player like that because these last few games, they don't make much of a difference heading forward. I know you want to create a winning mentality, but the way the season has gone, you kind of just say, okay, we'll play to live another day and move on to next year. So I think this team could really put themselves in a good position to get a huge high-impact player next season in the draft. That's a long way away, but check out LockedOnDolphins.com right now for that Saquon Barkley piece. There's a lot more than I talked about on the podcast in there, so check that out for all those details as well as the GIFs. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. This was a two-show night for me because I had to run a little bit behind on the Tuesday show. Sometimes real life happens, but go ahead and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and follow the show at Locked On Fins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for April Blue Chips Part 1, Saquon Barkley up live right now. Be back either Thursday or Monday. I haven't decided if I'm going to do a Thanksgiving show or not. Depends on how my schedule works out. But either way, I will see you guys soon. So if I don't see you before Thursday, have a happy Thanksgiving and check back on Monday or Thursday for your daily dose of the Miami Dolphins here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast.